have to learn to work with all kinds of people. Mm. And uh, I, before I was in politics, I was, sometimes I was hard to work with because I was very opinionated about, if you don't do the code this way, you're just wrong and you're stupid. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't quite that book. Too close to it to, to, for comfort. And after being in office for a while, it, it became a lot easier to work with people. Welcome everyone to the Tech Guide Podcast, where we give actual advice to those wanting to break into tech or looking for their next gig. We have Brad Daw on the podcast today. He's currently a senior software engineer at Adobe, but he has a such a cool background. I'm excited to dive into it. So welcome, Brad, to the show. Super excited to have you. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. And we're going to jump two feet into it. Because one aspect that I love about you is you were actually a Utah House of Representative for 14 years. Mm-hmm. That is so sweet. So let's kind of start there because you had multiple jobs in hardware engineering and programming jobs before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did that calling happen to you to take the next steps into politics? Well, I, I mean, just a little bit of explanation I'll dive into it is when you're in the legislature in Utah, it's a part-time gig. So I never actually stopped my tech job. I just took a, a leave of absence when the legislature was in session. But that being said, I moved to Utah in uh, 92. And at the time, and, and I grew up in Southeast Idaho. I'm a very much a rural suburban guy. <laughs> and as such, my politics are more conservative in nature. That's just who I am. Yeah. And I, uh, I noted at the time that we had a Democrat congressman. He called himself a conservative Democrat. <laughs> I, I came to find out that that was a lot more fiction than reality. You know. I'll never forget, kind of the first thing I did was I, I went to our, like our, our local newspaper and I said, well, I want to place an ad kind of excoriating this guy, just sort of calling him out. And they looked at me and said, okay, well, here's how much it costs to do an ad, but why don't you write a letter to the editor? He didn't say, you dummy, but I, I kind of heard it in his voice. And he was right. So I wrote a letter, they published it, they kind of got into it. And then uh, sometime after that, I, I went to... In, in, Utah, we have this thing called the Neighborhood Caucus. And it's about, think of it as about maybe five or six suburban city blocks. That's mm-hmm. about how big it is population-wise. So I went to the caucus, not really knowing what it was, just saw the notice for it. <laughs> I shot my mouth off when I got elected precinct chair. So that was in like 94. And I just kind of fell in love with being in politics. So I just volunteered and did work in the party. And then in 2004, I, the opportunity to run for the legislature came up and I had a lot of support. And so I dove in and I put my name in the ring and it was an interesting contest, but I won. And that's, sorry, that was the beginning of my service in the legislature. That's interesting. So this is around 2004 and you said you had a lot of support, um, like backing you. I'm curious, I'm like, like when you're preparing for a campaign, just like, how do you know you have a lot of support back in 2004? Is it the data that shows it? Or was it just kind of like a feel for like people saying, like, hey, we'll back you? Well, it, at that at that level, you're not really doing polling. You're not doing a lot mm. of stuff just because those things are expensive and yeah. don't make a lot of sense. So it's more like the party leadership and different people in the party that I'd worked with said, hey, we would really like it if you ran for office. Mm. and. 
And I've worked with a lot of the precinct chairs and vice chairs and, and different across the legislative district and just got a lot of positive feedback. So that's really where it comes from. Nice. And take us to like, the night that you did get elected. What were some of those feelings like, like where you're around your family? I mean, that has to be a very like vivid memory for you to be able to recall that. It was really neat. I had a, a neighbor in, in my congregation. I mean, I go up to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I had a neighbor in my congregation who said, hey, we should hold a election night party. And mm. you got to understand in Utah County, if you get the Republican nomination, you're elected. I mean, yeah, we haven't elected a Democrat in Utah County for a long time. And uh, so that was the election. And that's what I'm talking about. So we had that election night party and we're just having a great time out there with all the neighbors and everything. And then like, about nine or 10 o'clock is when the first return comes in. That's the first time you're like, okay, this is real. And it came in and I was substantially comfortably ahead and I never lost it. It's interesting. The guy I ran against, he got support on his side of town. Yeah. And of course I got support on my side of town. And then what you do is you look at the other precincts and I got almost all of them. So. It wasn't a blowout, but it was a comfortable margin. Interesting. What are like the strategies you employ to get voters like back then or like just oh, in general? It, like... It's walking the streets. It's, it's really yours. It's handing out literature. I mean, you're, it's a small enough district that you can, if you have enough time, knock on every door. And of course, in a Republican primary, you don't knock on every door. You knock on every Republican voter door. <laughs> That's about, even though Utah County is heavily Republican, it's, still about half the houses. Interesting. So it's a lot less than if you knock yourself out, knocking on doors for people who aren't going to be voting in the election. But yeah, you just knock, you, you hand them a flyer, you introduce yourself. And then you, mailers tend to be expensive. So you might send out one or two mailers. One of my personal favorites is I go in every precinct and find people in there who are more prominent in the precinct. And I would get them to write an endorsement for me. And then we'd send that out to that precinct. That was, that's one of my favorite mailing pieces. Yeah. That's really cool. And so let's talk a little bit more about what you did in office. Um, you're there for quite a while. Um, you're still involved, of course. Um, you get elected feeling good, feeling good. What were some of the first initiatives that you put into place um, that you like to speak out? Great question. And I'm happy to answer it. Um, it, it was kind of at the end of my first term. I was getting emails from this guy named Alan College. He's a doctor. This is back in 05, right? And uh, he's saying, hey, people are dying from opioids, right? And I, I wrote him back. He wasn't sending this to me. He sent it to the whole legislature. Yeah. But I wrote him back and says, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this. Let's talk about it. And he was shocked that somebody wrote him back. So... I'm very good at writing people back. That's, uh, I tried to have that be one of my trademarks, but we, we talked and they said, listen, why don't we, uh, why don't we do this? Um, there's a professor teaching political science at UVU. Let's have a round table with him. You bring your people. Let's let the students kind of watch it. And we'll just have a round table discussion about this. And mm. one of the, one of the guys, he had a mom and a doctor and a few other people talking about this crisis, which was 
prescription drug opioids. I mean, right now, nowadays it's fentanyl's the problem, but yeah. back in 05, 06, it was prescription drugs. Mostly led by the Sacklers in Purdue, if you want to, if you want the, the details. Yeah. And I give you as much as you want, but uh, long story short, it was prescription drugs. And there was a, there was a kid in there who, he could look, look like you, clean cut, good looking. Appreciate that. <laughs> and I mean, knowing somebody that you think not a problem in the world, just everything's right. Yeah. And uh, what had happened is in high school, he'd broken his arm in an athletic contest, probably football. And when he got it set, they gave him some, some more taps or something and it hooked him. I mean, he was hooked and he kept, kept taking him and they, he'd go to doctors and lie and, and he'd get other people to lie and, uh -huh. and, and he ended up having to go to, uh, he ended up having to go to a, a rehab center. He went to one in the South Pacific. I mean, a really expensive rehab center and it worked Yeah, for a while. And so anyway, I passed, he was there, he inspired me. We passed the bill to basically rewrite the prescription guidelines for doctors in Utah. In other words, don't just give them opioids like candy, you have a reason. And we dramatically reduced the number of opioids being prescribed. And over time, deaths started to drop. Uh -huh. um, I've still got a chart from a newspaper I've got framed. It, it shows this, the, the rise in opioids like this till about 2007. And then it goes, it, the deaths just drop like that. That's I mean, awesome. it's a beautiful chart. They're going back up now, but it's now it's all the illegal uh, opioids, fentanyl mainly. But I passed that bill along with a dozen others. So oh, prescription drug abuse was one of my first big initiatives that I took on. And, and I will say, end of the story, that guy I'm, I'm telling you about, the clean-cut, good-looking guy, he he got back on the wagon, and he actually ended up dying. Oh, man. It was too late for him. Yeah. And but, uh, anyway, another big initiative was with health care. I'm, I'm a big believer in consumer-driven health care. I passed a bill to allow state employees to have a health savings account over great opposition. Mm. And now today, over half the state employees have a health savings account. So those are a couple. I go, I take your whole podcast talking about what I've done, but those are a couple of the start out the gate ones. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And what like makes being a politician, I feel like really rewarding in that aspect is like you get to pass these bills and you get to see charts like that, where it's a huge incline, but because of something like you did and took initiative of, you see like a steep, like decline on that. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's the reason I got into politics. It wasn't, for self-aggrandizement. It wasn't for my own ambition. It was because I could be in a place to help people. Yeah. That's why I still dabble in politics is for that very reason. Are there some initiatives like also, so it sounds like opioids, healthcare. I do want to ask like another one, like what's another big initiative that like you took action on that's something like really proud? Because I think it's like cool to have these conversations to hear like, like some people think of politics, oh, mm -hmm. politics. Oh my God, I don't like politicians, but there could be a lot of good with politicians. There could be a lot of good with politicians. So can you just give us like one more example as well? Something that you're super proud of that you passed? Yeah, it's the other 95% that make us look bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's one bad apple. <laughs> well, one of the kind of the more basic ones is, well, there's a couple. I'll give you a couple. Yeah. One of them is really simple. It's election transparency. Yeah. 
who's funding your politician? Who's funding the guy running for office? I mean, where's he getting this money from? And at the time, for state-level races, there was a website. There still is. You can go to it. You can look at what a politician's receiving, who he's receiving money from, and so forth. Yeah. But for city races, a city council or mayor or county commissioner or something like that, you have to actually go to the clerk's office, and mm. they pull the paper, and, and you can make copies of it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is 2010 for crying yeah. out loud. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I passed a bill saying all financial records for candidates in any race have to be online. That's now, it. what they did was they scanned it so it's not indexed. You can't look for it by keyword, but, you know, it's usually not that much information. So if you know who the candidate is, you can go and look at his race. And I'll tell you something really interesting. He's in about eight years ago. Yeah. We had two mayors running. Two guys running for mayors, an open seat. Yeah. And one of them was funded almost exclusively by the Realtors Association. Now, nothing against the Realtors Association, but it's, okay, you're taking $100,000 from the Realtors and nothing from anybody else. Who, who, who are you working for? <laughs> now, the other guy was more self-funded, but, yeah. and I, so I, I actually sent out an email just saying, hey guys, I, and I wasn't, the email itself wasn't even partisan. I just said, look, here's the link to the websites looking at your, their, their campaign finances. Go have a look at that. Maybe you can make a decision based on that. Interesting. The guy's campaign manager still won't talk to me to this day. So I was going to say that stuff. <laughs> it's, true. it's just out there. Yeah. That's, that's a little initiative. Now, a big one that I've been working on is in Utah, we have uh, payday lenders. You know, okay. I'm not familiar with Betty lenders, but they really love giving loans to poor people and then getting them hooked to where they can't pay them back and they just kind of keep them on that hook for months at a time. Yeah. And so I passed bills to try to rein that in. Turns out they're a very effective lobby, so I couldn't get everything I wanted, but I passed several pieces of legislation to try to rein them in. And I, I think I can say comfortably that we... They've actually closed about half the storefronts in Utah because of legislation they're in. So it's they're really still cool. in business, but they're a lot less than they were. Interesting. I do want to talk about that as well. So like we've talked about like yeah. a lot about like the rewarding part or just like the rewarding parts of being a politician. These are awesome initiatives that you've passed. But what is like one lesson you learned from your time like serving as a politician to what's a lesson you learned that someone young in their career should consider? Yeah. Well, I, one thing I did learn is I, this was a long time ago and I was a firebrand and I, I had, my opinions were just right out there for everybody to hear and, oh, I, and I wasn't shy about it. And I honestly, when I first went in to the legislature, I had actually literally never set foot in the state capitol before. I just, I had no reason to go up there. I yeah. Just, it wasn't, I mean, I did stuff. I wrote op-eds in the paper. I, I got involved. I voted, whatever. But I'd never yeah. been up in the state cap. I never actually watched a legislative session. So my first experience 
in the legislative session was being there as a member of the House. And part of me was just waiting for the fight, waiting for the knockdown drag out, the yell fest, the, the, the whatever, the throwdown. It never happened. Yeah, it never happened. I mean, the fact is, there was disagreements, uh, there was back and forth, but it was all so civil and so respectful and so kind. And I thought, okay, this is really cool. I mean, we can have disagreements, we can have our knockdown dragouts without being nasty to each other. And it was a beautiful thing. It really was. Mm. And, and, and to me, it was very affirming. That was on the plus side, was learning that, in fact, Government actually can work pretty well. <laughs> and uh, so that was a, a, a good lesson for me to learn. Yeah, because I, I going off that, I feel like a lot of people have like when they think of government and two parties going at it, they think of just like headbutting, headbutting. But it was a completely 180 experience for you in that, ex uh, that sense. Yeah, at the state level. Now, I have seen YouTubes of floor speeches in the U.S. Congress, mm -hmm. and all they're doing is blasting each other. There is yeah. no sense of, hey, you know what? They got a good point, but I see this differently. It was the Republicans are so with this, and the Democrats are so that. And I'm thinking, you guys are just talking past each other. You're just yeah. talking to the cameras. There's no intent to collaborate, to, to cooperate, to actually do something for the good of the people. I don't like that kind of politics. Never have. No, I was gonna say. Was there something like at your time in office that was like unexpected, like a challenge? Think about going into it. Was there something that was like really hard that people that don't get involved in politics would not notice or wouldn't even consider? Well, one thing that did happen is you, know, <laughs> you got to be careful about what you do. When I ran the payday lending legislation, um, there was a, a group of payday lenders who got together, they created a, I want to say a 501c4 corporation. That's the one that can, can contribute to political causes. Mm -hmm. Um, there's 501c3, 501c4. Anyway, there's one of those. Yeah. Now the reason they created the corporation was because corporations do not have to disclose their dollars at all. Mm. And so they, they dumped a bunch of money in the corporation. Then the corporation, they donated a bunch of money to a PAC, Political Action Committee. So the only donor to the PAC is the corporation. That's all they see. And then that PAC launched a bunch of smear ads against me to get me out of office because mm. I, I had the audacity to, to challenge payday lenders. Yeah. And uh, it worked. I mean, yeah. they got me out for two years and then I got back in. But, uh, that was, it was shocking to me to, uh, to see the level of nastiness and dishonesty and, and things like that, that can happen. Yeah. Even in the state level, it can happen in the campaign. I, like I say, parts of politics make you uplifted. Yeah. You there's good in people. Other parts are, how do you sleep with yourself at night? How do you look in the mirror? Yeah. Really? They do. So stuff. That's both sides of it. Yeah, it's really interesting because like you have this whole career in like politics, but like you also have like, this whole like working like professional world as well. And as we mentioned before, like you're a senior software engineer at Adobe. This is a huge like tech company as well. I'm curious, like how does that balance happen of being like a politician, but also being like a 
a software engineer. Like, I think that's just so awesome. Well, it's a, it's not a trivial balance. I mean, when I first started, I had a remote job mm. and I was good enough at what I did that he just put up with me not being there for a month and a half. That's how long the session is. So starting the end of January till the beginning of March, seven weeks, you're just, you're just basically off the clock. Um, and then every company I went to, I said, listen, I need that seven weeks. I'm happy to take his leave of absence. The state does pay you a pittance for being a yeah. representative, but they do pay you. And, and I got my health care from the state. So I told my employer, I can get my health care from the state and they were okay with it. Now, Interesting. where I got into trouble is there were too many times that I would let my political life leak into day-to-day -day stuff at the office. Mm. And so it, it probably cost me a promotion or two. And so I, I have since learned to try to be much more discreet when I'm engaged in, in uh, political activity. <laughs> uh, my advice is if somebody wants to do that, they need to be very careful to keep their professional, their political life separate. Yeah. So that, that's the advice I would give. But in Utah, that's very possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, it, it's really interesting. Like, how did you like balance, like, like how do you balance that? Is it, I, I'm just like, how do you balance that like political in you, but like also like being like in a functioning, like big corporate, like entity? Well, what I have to do, I mean, one of the things I would do is number one, if I were to do this again, yeah. I would have two phones. I would have my, my person actually have a phone from Adobe because uh, most engineers here have an on-call function. So they give us a mm. phone for this kind of the perk for being on call. Yeah. And, but the state will also issue you a phone if you're in office. Interesting. And so step one would be never take the, the state phone to work. Yeah. Uh, and, and number two is Adobe geographically is ideally located so that I can have people from either Utah Valley or Salt Lake Valley come here for lunch. And so I try to have any meetings I have at lunchtime or after work. Mm. And uh, above and beyond that, I just make my manager aware. I've got a couple days coming up that I'm going to be out of pocket, I'll make it up yeah. on a Saturday or late night or something like that. But here's what's going on. So as long as my manager can see I'm still productive, they're pretty understanding. Yeah. How has like being a politician made you like a better employee? It, it really has because I've, I, you have to learn to work with all kinds of people. Mm. And I, before I was in politics, I was, Sometimes I was hard to work with because I was very opinionated about if you don't do the code this way, you're just wrong and you're stupid. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't quite that book. Too close to it to, to, for comfort. And after being in office for a while, it, it became a lot easier to work with people and, and let them be them and, and realize they had good ideas and, and try to, instead of bludgeoning them into my way, to let them figure it out and, and we got there together and, and being able to compromise and negotiate. All of those are skills that engineers don't do naturally. They, they have to kind of learn them. But politics was a great way to learn those kind of skills. Interesting. And if you're going to give advice to like someone that's like a young engineer, I mean, out of like mm -hmm. openness, negotiation, all that stuff, I mean, like one advice would you hone in on them to like really know and learn? 
learn your craft and, and mm -hmm. never stop learning. You, you always need to be moving forward. Learn what you're doing and then find ways to learn more because mm -hmm. the fact is the engineer can come in with the new innovation, the new idea. That's a guy people look to. So know your craft, know it well, and always be looking to expand your horizons. And then last segment that I want to talk about here, I think it'd be a fun little segment here to just talk about like meaningful work. Uh, all of us want to be like fulfilled when we do our work. We want to do like, cool initiatives like that you have done. What does meaningful work really mean for you? I, uh, I mean, for me, the work, I'm kind of a small fish in a big corporate pod. Yeah. But what we do is, I mean, it's exciting to think about we, we're shoveling tons of data into analytics and how we do that and how we do it better and how we save the company money and how we help our customers. That's all very satisfying. We just had a, a huge initiative this last couple of months that uh, I was part of. And when you can see that you've made a huge improvement, that's unbelievably satisfying. So take joy in what you do. Take joy in, in making something better, improving something. And uh, mm -hmm. I always have, I mean, it's a, when I see something that I've done working well, you're just like, yeah, that's it. That's the rush. Nice. I love that. Well, Brad, we'll end right there on that one. Uh, I want to mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us today to talk a little bit more about the initiatives you put in play, uh, that balance, which is super cool. And then yeah, that meaning of work. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Brad. I really appreciate it. Hey, Ryan, it was my pleasure. I uh, always enjoy a good conversation. If you ever <laughs> want to do it again, let me know. <laughs>